Thanks for joining us today. I'm Michelle Mancino-Marsh, a partner and co-leader of Errant Fox Shift's Consumer Product Industry Group. This is the inaugural episode of the Consumer Product Industry Group's podcast series, where we will discuss legal and regulatory developments affecting all aspects of a consumer product's life cycle, from product development to branding and advertising, from intellectual property protection to litigation, from consumer product safety to products liability litigation, and everything in between, or as I like to put it, from sketchbook to shelf and beyond. I'm delighted to be here with my partner and group co-leader of the firm's consumer products industry group, Lynn Fiorentino, to discuss some recent developments about California's Prop 65, which all consumer product manufacturers, distributors, and retailers selling products into California will definitely want to hear about. Thanks, Michelle. I'm thrilled to be with you for this important and timely discussion. So, Lynn, just to start off, can you tell our listeners in broad brushstrokes how Prop 65 affects consumer product companies? Sure. Prop 65, Michelle, is a consumer protection statute that was developed in the mid-80s, and it requires a clear and reasonable warning for any consumer products that are manufactured, distributed, and sold into California that contain one or more chemicals on the Prop 65 list. And at the current time, that list contains over 900 carcinogens and reproductive toxins. So any consumer product company doing business in the state here really needs to understand and comply with this law, or they potentially face burdensome and expensive enforcement procedures, including possible litigation. That sounds pretty serious. So how do companies typically comply with Prop 65? Well, Michelle, there's currently two ways to warn on consumer products under the current version of Prop 65's warning regulations. There's what is a long-form warning, which requires the identification of at least one chemical that's contained in the product. And then alternatively, there is a short-form warning, which is a simple warning that does not require the identification of a chemical in the wording of the warning. And so as you might imagine, imagine most of our clients, and in fact, most companies in general, have used this short form warning since it was first implemented by California in August of 2018. And from our discussions before, I understand California is looking to change the requirements for the short form warning. Can you tell our listeners about these proposed changes? Sure. Well, let me start, Michelle, by saying that there's important history here. Over the last year and a half, the governmental agency in California, which oversees Prop 65, this is the Office of Environmental Health Hazard Assessment, known as OEHA, it has issued a series of proposed amendments to the requirements for the short-form warnings. And this came about because of a concern by OEHA that companies were overusing the short-form warnings, which were really originally intended for small products in small packaging where you could not fit a long-form standard warning. So OEA came out with a series of proposed amendments to the short-form warnings. The first set was in January of 2021, and this initial set of proposed amendments was really onerous in many significant ways, but really the key takeaways from those amendments was that the companies would have to identify at least one chemical in the product for the short-form warning, that the short-form warning could only be used on a packaging of a product which was five square inches or less, so a small product, okay? And that the short-form warnings were going to be prohibited for any internet sales or catalog purchases. That was a distinct departure from what we had seen previously. So after January of 2021, when those proposals came out, OEHA accepted comments, as it always does, from stakeholders, companies, and trade organizations. 
It then issued several months later in December of 2021, a second set of proposals for the short form warnings, which really lifted some of the restrictions we had seen in the January of 2021 version. The December 2021 version expanded the minimum label size from five square inches to 12 square inches. So it more than doubled it so that you could use a short form warning under that proposal on a much larger product size. And that December of 2021 proposal also lifted the prohibition on using the short form warning for internet and catalog purchases. So what we've seen really is OEHA responding favorably in some respects to comments by stakeholders on these short form warning proposals. And the proposals keep coming. So as I understand it, just this month on April 5th, there's yet another set of proposals for short form warnings. Is that right? Exactly, Michelle. And again, this is in response to a substantial number of comments by stakeholders. And so another set was issued on April 5th. And in fact, our team published an alert on those latest proposals on April 8th, explaining in detail how they differ from the earlier proposed amendments issued in January and December of 2021. So we're going to link that alert to this podcast so that listeners can access it for further details and use that alert as an ongoing resource. That's a terrific one. Well, I think the burning question for our listeners is after the April 5th proposals, how do they differ from the earlier ones? And what kind of requirements are we talking about for these short form warnings? For the April 5th proposals, Michelle, in a nutshell, there's two important changes that really dial back the previous restrictions that OEHA proposed in January and December of 2021. The first one is the April 5th proposed amendments completely remove label and size limitations on the short form warning, which is fantastic because even with the 12 square inch size proposal, companies were really yelling and screaming that that was just too onerous and that they should be able to use these short form warnings for any product size. And so that was a great change. And then the second one, which is also significant for consumer product companies, is that the phase-in period OEHA is now proposing is a two-year phase-in instead of a one-year phase in of any change that they make in these short form warnings. And that's also in response to comments from multiple stakeholders that said, wait a minute, we cannot possibly do an overhaul of our warnings in one year. It's logistically, it's a nightmare. It's expensive. It's burdensome. We need at least two years. And OEHA responded favorably to that. However, despite these dialbacks, that I just mentioned, it is really key for consumer product companies to understand that even under these revised proposed amendments from April 5th, those proposals continue to require the identification of at least one chemical on the short form warning. And that's a distinct departure from the current version of the short form warning. This has been the case in each set of these amendments that OEHA has issued over the last year and a half. And I really don't see that restriction being removed going forward. So even though California has proposed to lift some of the earlier restrictions on the use of the short form warning. If these proposals are implemented, companies will still have to identify at least one chemical present in the product on the short form warning, correct? That's right, Michelle. And it's a big difference from the current version of the short form warnings, as I mentioned. If the April 5th proposals are implemented, it also means for most companies, a complete overhaul of their current Prop 65 warnings, since the majority of them are using the current version of the short form warning, which doesn't require any identification of a chemical. So this has become a bit of a logistical nightmare in terms of having to potentially test products, seek information from upstream suppliers through certifications and the like. It's 
it's just a lot to take in and understandably consumer product companies are concerned about it. Absolutely. What can companies do, Lynn, if they want to express concern or object to the proposals for the short form warnings? So really the best route to take at this time, and we don't have a lot of time to do it, but it's to submit written comments to OEHA. We've seen them respond favorably in the past, and it certainly can only help, I think, at this stage. Uh, we're going to include, we have included a link in our alert for submission of those written comments to OEHA. But here's the thing, you're going to have to act really quickly because comments are due before midnight on April 20th. We're currently working with several clients to prepare these types of comments. So if you need any assistance, please reach out to us right away and we can help you. Great. And if these proposed amendments are implemented by California, what are some tips for best practices for our listeners? Michelle, the number one tip is to be proactive. And I say this with any and all kind of Prop 65 compliance. You want to stay ahead of the curve. Here, you've got to understand what chemicals are in the products you sell into California as a consumer product, manufacturer, seller, or distributor. Again, if these proposals are implemented, you will have to identify at least one chemical that's present in the product on the short form warning. This may mean product testing for some of our clients. This may mean having open dialogues with upstream suppliers now to understand what chemical composition of the products you're selling into California. And again, just to get ahead of this proposed rule. Number two is to implement risk mitigation measures. So consumer product companies should be considering indemnification agreements with upstream suppliers and potentially using certification forms, which would require an upstream supplier to identify whether any of the products they sell to you contain Prop 65 listed chemicals. And then third, we always suggest because this is an evolving area, it's constantly changing with these short form warnings and really all aspects of Prop 65. Seek the advice of experienced counsel so that you can stay abreast of the latest changes and avoid landmines and mitigate all risk. Lynn, thanks so much for informing our listeners on this timely and important topic for consumer product companies doing business in California. Can't thank you enough. Michelle, it's really been my pleasure. We'll be following these proposed amendments closely going forward, and we'll be sure to update our listeners on all further developments.